Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Draft on Tap. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before I bring the guys in, I want to alert you that in a few minutes, we're going to share a couple of premium projects that we're working on here in the bar room at the Barroom Network to provide for you the absolute best draft coverage for Bears fans in the planet Earth. <laughs> That's right. We've got two very special projects that we're working on, including still our free programming. Every other week, it'll be Draft on Tap here on Wednesdays. And every other week on Mondays, it'll be Gabriel Talks Football, our top uh, draft analyst, providing you free content, but also providing you with some premium content as well. We'll get more into that a little later. On this show, the meat of the show is previewing the upcoming All-Star Games. We're going to have representation at both the East-West Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl, so we'll be picking up interviews and videotape that will be exclusive that no one else will have. So let me uh, get going with the introductions. Danny Shimon, how are you, my friend? Hey, Aldo, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, just uh, primed and ready to go. Uh, get down to uh, to Vegas this this week. Looking forward to being there at the East West Shrine Game and finally getting some some eyes on these players in, in live action. Yeah, and it's Vegas too, so uh, hopefully you're yeah. going to make a little bit of time to have fun. some fun. I've, I've heard it's fun in Vegas. <laughs> have you been there before? I, I, I should have my own residency in Vegas. I, I mean, I've been <laughs> I won't, I won't say anything else. <laughs> All right, let's bring in Neil. Neil Stopchinski, how are you, my friend? Doing awesome, boys. Always good to be with Podfather Aldo and Brother Danny. <laughs> good stuff. Hey, how excited, Neil, are you about these uh, all-star games, all the ones. We, there's actually a third one. The NFL PA games uh, is this mm -hmm. Saturday. And so there's three all-star games. It seems to me like this is one of the more intriguing years for all-star games. Do you agree with that, Neil? Yeah, I mean, these games are always the, the best of fun. Uh, you know, anytime I can get a chance to get my hands on practice film and watch these guys go, go at it uh, in the beginning, you know, before uh, we get to game day, see some one-on-one, -on -one, see some, uh, you know, individual drills. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's that's pretty clutch. I mean, you know, you, you can see some stuff that, you know, only privileged eyes are able to see, you know, over the course of this week and next. Unfortunately, I don't think we have access to the NFLPA stuff, but, you know, you guys are going to be out there in Vegas next week. We're going to have all the all the video for Senior Bowl as well. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a great, great, time, great time to evaluate some guys. And uh, like I said, video for privileged eyes only. Yeah. Uh, Danny, have you seen the rosters, I think, for both the Senior Bowl and uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl game? Uh, when you overlook, when you look at both rosters, do you see a uh, talent level that perhaps is equal to or above some of the better All-Star game rosters? 
Well, I mean, obviously for me, the, the granddaddy of them all is, is a senior bowl. I mean, that, that generally is, is the, the, you know, the all-star game that gets, you know, the, the better talent, if you will. So, uh, you know, the East West Shrine game has really, you know, up this game, you know, last couple of seasons, uh, you know, bringing in some, some more and more players and we'll, we'll go over some of those players that, that stuck out to me in terms of bears fits are there, but yeah, I mean, if you go over the, the talent uh, of the East West Shrine game, the collegiate, uh, the Alpha PL game, and also the, um, the senior bowl, I, I think, uh, I think Neil might agree here that the senior bowl has the better overall, um, you know, a crew of, of, of talent there. Yeah. It's certainly got history, but I'll tell you one thing. you got to give it to Eric Galco. He has been working hard to bring back the East-West Shrine Bowl game, which was, was probably years ago the the premier all-star game for uh, uh, college football players, but was overtaken by the Senior Bowl. Now it's Eric Galco versus Jim Nagy. Both of them are the executive directors of their respective all-star games. And uh, Eric has made some inroads. He's got the NFL head coaching staffs uh, for coaching the all-star games. I think it's going to be alternating next year to be the senior bowl, getting the NFL coaches, but uh, that's a big acquisition for him. The fact that it's in Las Vegas, the same week that the pro bowl festivities are going on. So there's an association there with the NFL. Eric is uh, doing a good job and, and Nagy is, is trying to hold him off. So that's a kind of an interesting little battle between those two veteran draft analysts uh, and uh, going on between, uh, between them. So we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. Uh, both yeah, of them are sure. great guys. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, both have been on the on the on the program, and and like I said, we're fans of both. And like I said, you know, they're they're just, you know, the, the more competition, the better, right? We talk about the one on ones in these All Star games, even in these, you know, uh, the production of these All Star games. The the more competition, the better. You know, you know, obviously, Senior Bowl had taken over, and now now here comes Eric with with the East West Shrine game. You know, making it moving into Vegas, obviously, you know, a, a bigger venue, more more a bigger spotlight on it. So. You know, you're going to get more and more players going there. Like, I mean, I like went over some of those lists, and some of these players could have easily been at the uh, at the Senior Bowl as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, talent uh, um, that he's bringing in now to the East West Shrine game is is being upped. You know, you can see it definitely in the last couple seasons in, in terms of the rosters. Yeah, Danny, we'll talk about this later too. You know, it seems like what Eric did too was bring in a bunch of guys that not a whole lot of people are talking about, not a whole lot of people know about. Giving these guys exposure and a chance to, uh, you know, make a name for themselves, which I think is pretty awesome. You know, Jim Nagy always does a great job of that year in, year out, giving these D2 schools, D3 school uh, kids, you know, an opportunity to shine if, if their tape warranted, if their their production throughout the season warranted. And I think really Eric has, has done a really good job this year of getting a lot of guys and not a whole lot of people are talking about right now. They have great measurables. They have good tape. They have all these different types, types of attributes, you know, into this game and, you know, somebody's going to shine out of out of uh, well, really both of these games as we see every single year. But you know, specifically the East West game, you know, he's done a good job. Also, on top of that, I've always found it interesting how he moved it to Vegas, and I think you're going to learn a lot mm-hmm. about the character of a lot of these guys being able to keep themselves out of trouble in one of the craziest atmospheres in the, in the country, possibly even the world, over the course of a week. It's going to be interesting. And the scout hey. too. J2K uh, brings up an interesting point that he says it's very interesting that Zay Flowers, one of my favorite receivers coming on, declined the Senior Bowl invite uh, for the Shrine game. Uh, you guys have any knowledge on why he chose that? Is he out from out that area or something like that? I had not heard that they had declined the uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, and, uh, other than, I mean, typically when that happens, you know, you know, you probably know this as well. It's it's probably the representation steering him one way or the other, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, we, we don't want to, you know, kind of just speculate what's going on there. But th- that that's my my guess is his representation said, all right, go here. 
you know, here, because like if you look at the rosters, like he is one of I've been on Zay Flowers since the beginning of the season. Um, and he's he's by one of the better receivers down in, in, in Vegas. And I think that mm-hmm. gives him an opportunity now to go out there and kind of take the spotlight to himself as opposed to, you know, over to the you know senior bowl. There there are some more prospects there uh that, that could also kind of you know duel him in terms of being the, the best overall receiver. So we'll see. Uh, but you know, for me it's 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 you go and you compete, right? And uh in football, that's all about competition. Um, you know, I hope people don't knock him because saying he, oh, he doesn't want to go compete versus the big boys at the senior ball because, because you know, that, that's not the case. Zay Flowers, you put his tape on, that's one of the more competitive little SOBs out there in a the football field. And uh, just watch half of his games and you, you'll know this guy has, has no fear of anyone or comp- our competition. Do you have him on your list of uh, players that you're going to be uh, keeping an eye on at the Shrine Bowl game? Godfather, I've had him on my list since week one of the season. I mean, he is uh, he's one of the guys I've loved this whole season. So, <laughs> Uh, his only knock, and we'll get into it later, his only knock is his size, guys. That's his only knock I have on him. Mm-hmm. But why don't we get into it now? Why don't we start talking about the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl game? And why don't, uh, I'm going to probably go out of order from what your list is, but why don't we talk about Mr. Zay Flowers, the wide receiver? Um, uh, take it away, Danny. Yeah, I mean, Zay Flowers, like I tell you, I was a big, big, huge fan of this kid, uh, you know, a three-year starter at, at, at Boston College, uh, you know, a two-time All-ACC first-teamer, uh, finished his career as Boston College's all-time leader in career in receptions and, and, and yards and touchdowns as well. And, you know, you put on his tape, you know, obviously the first thing that, that kind of, if you go to, it, to the negatives is, is his size, right? I think it's going to come in like around, right around 5'9", maybe 5'10", but he's a buck 75. So right away you kind of think, all right, he's probably not going to be too big enough to be on the outside. So he's going to be limited, probably kick him inside as a slot receiver, probably like a jack of all trades guy. You can get the ball in his hands in the open field, jet sweeps, you know, um, you know, slip screen, bubble screen, stuff like that. But you put on his tape and, and you, right away, you know, he is quick out of his stance, you know, that's instant acceleration into his, into his route, uh, quiet feet at the top of his, at the top of his route there, when he stems his route, I mean, you, you see some of these play yep. uh, receivers just chop their feet and you can, you can kind of even hear it if you're at the, at the stadium, but he's just quiet, smooth feet, really quick, uh, has ability to, to, to create some separation. And then once he gets the ball in his hands, He's got the uh, instant acceleration to go ahead and, and kind of separate from defender. So, you know, I, again, hands, it's pretty good. Can go ahead and stretch away from his body, can extend away from his frame and reel in the, you know, reel in the football. Um, you know, I, I keep going on with what this kid, but, uh, you know, for, for me, the, the biggest question mark I touched on earlier is size. And I think a lot of t- teams are going to be like, all right, he's going to come in like, like I said, 5'9", 5'10". Is he just a slot receiver? Is he a guy that, that can get off the press? At the, at the next level, if, if you put him on the outside, which, you know, I, so I think he's going to be clicked on inside. And guys that get kicked inside, usually they tend to fall, you know, day two, probably looking at second, third round for, for a kid like Zay Flowers. But if you put on his tape, you see the you see the production, you see the athletic ability, you see the ability to make play, play, uh, plays on the football, the body control, everything. Kid is ultra competitive, like I said earlier, will go up. And, and he doesn't care if he's going up against a six foot corner or a five foot five corner, he will go up and he will, he will take him on and he does not shy away from contact. He will look to lower his shoulder into defender and finish his runs uh, kind of like a running back, if you will. So if you see him in the open field, the ball in his hands, he kind of looks like a running back the way he jukes and big stops, starts, accelerates, and then finishes his run. So big, huge fan of, of Zay flowers. If a team like the bears can get this kid in the second, third round, I think he's a guy that can come in and give you instant production, uh, probably from that slot position, but definitely from uh, as, a, as a playmaker on offense. Just get the ball in his hands and let him go do his thing. Got a player comp for us? Is he Darnell Mooney, Terry McLaurin type? 
He's not Darnell Mooney. He's he's, he's not he, Darnell McLaurin's a bigger. He's more of an outside receiver. I, you know, you know. It's some, think of a, a guy in, in the in the slot, a guy that that's quick twitch. And from from his right now, I'm, I'm drawing a, a blank in terms of who I, I can see him as. But but just some guy in, in in a slot where you can just give him the ball. You know, Elijah Moore, that kid that came out of Ole Miss a couple of years ago with the Jets. You know, he he kind of reminds me of him coming out of out of college as well. You know, just a really poly, good polished receiver, three year starter. You know, highly productive. You know, you know, it's go up against some big competition, made big, big plays and, and big moments of the football game. So obviously, Elijah Moore's career hasn't taken off as we anticipated. I think that has to do with some of the uh, the quarterback play with, with the Jets. But, uh, you know, it's someone like that. You know, it's just a quick twitch kid inside toughness is not going to shy away from contact. You know, it's, it's going to be a guy that, that just get the ball in his hands, especially in the open field and just let him do his thing. He's got that type of speed, the type of acceleration, and the quick feet to go ahead and make people miss in the open field. So, um, I, I think this guy's going to be a, a definite playmaker. It's just in terms of you know, if you bring him in, offensive coordinator, you know, uh, who play caller, what kind of plan do you have for him? How are you going to incorporate him into the into the offense, and how are you going to make sure that he is put in a position to succeed and not fail? Danny, or excuse me, Neil, you have any uh, uh, concerns about Zay Flowers? Anything that you? sort of uh, gives you a red flag about his possibilities in the NFL other than his size? No, I, I think that's really the only red flag you're going to get from, uh, from uh, you know, scouts and, and uh, coordinators and, you know, directors, GMs across the league. They're going to question all that. And that's honestly part of the reason why he's at these events. You know, he's going to get measured in. He's going to go through the, the entire uh, you know, dog and pony show. Um, I, I think the, you know, the interview process is going to be big for him. And then obviously the most important part is going to be how he performs on the field. And, you know, maybe he took the opportunity to go to the East West game because he knew that he was going to be worked out by an entire coaching staff. He was going to be, you know, doing drills within, you know, a certain system of, of, a, of a, uh, professional football club. He was going to be coached by, you know, within the schematics of what, you know, these teams do. I can't remember what, you know, which, uh, um, outfit is coaching, which, team out there in Vegas, but, uh, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to actually go through an entire week's worth of practice for, you know, that particular team. And I think that, you know, for some of these guys, that might be the reason why they chose to go ahead and do East West versus, versus the senior bowl. But, you know, the kid's a big time playmaker and, you know, he's going to have his shot. I, I think that, um, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to be, you know, an early take, you know, he's probably, uh, you know, along the lines of some of these guys that we said were going to be uh, second, third round guys, uh, last year, or the year before, um, you know, uh, Who's the, the the kid from Purdue? What was at his the, name? The, 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 the David Bell from Purdue. From last year? Talking from last year? Yeah, went to the Cardinals. David Bell. And talking about the guy who went to the. Uh, no, not not David. Maybe, maybe the, the year before. The, the, uh, oh, Rondell um, Rondel Moore. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore. Yeah, you know, so, someone like, someone like that who, yeah, Rondell Moore was a little bit beefier than this kid, I think. But uh, you know, he's he was a little bit diminutive in, in his measurables, but you know, as long as you put. The appropriate film on the field as long as you have the productivity you know that that warrants you being taken high you know these guys will overlook you know the uh the, the drawbacks the other uh, you know, I, what's that no no go, go ahead finish finish your thought I, I was just i was just saying from everything that i'm seeing so far and i haven't really gotten you know too too much in depth at uh at the wide receiver, wide receiver position as of yet but it seems like this kid is uh damn near locked in for a day two pick right now yeah, for me, a couple of thoughts with, with, with Zay Flowers and a couple of things that, that might have popped up on, on his film is obviously he talked about, you know, is he limited, right? Is he, is he going to be all strictly a slot receiver, a guy, you know, kind of get him, you know, like, kind of like, like you said, Ronda Moore, Elijah Moore, where he talked about, you know, uh, you know get, get the ball in their hands. Now, now Moore is a little bit beefier, but I, I think Moore also has more 
just time speed, right? You put on you put on flowers, and I, I don't know if he's going to run a four three forty or anything like that. I don't think he's going to blaze at, at the combine. Mm-hmm. But I, what what he, what he does is when you put on his tape, you know, he might come in at a high four four, low four five, maybe we'll see. But when you put on his tape, and when that when that you know when when the the ball is coming his way, when he gets it, you see the acceleration, you see the burst, his ability to run away from defenders. So I think you know this is a guy that, that I, get, I I know he's going to be kind of concentrating on this this pre draft process, but. You know, I, you know, for all the, the fans that are watching the dra- the combine and all that stuff, and he might come in at, at, a, at a time that you're like, oh, wow, I thought this guy's going on 4-3 or whatever. You know, don't be alarmed. Just put on his tape. You see what, when, when the competition is going, when he's playing football, he's a guy that goes in and he just puts the acceleration on and he takes off at a second, kind of like a second level. He bursts away from defenders. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, got a question here. Maybe we can address uh, uh, Bears need both lines help how soon might they take a wide receiver in this draft the second or the third um i given the if they're not trading out of that first pick and they're keeping their picks i personally see them going offensive line and defensive line uh in this draft in rounds one and two and so the earliest they would address the need at wide receiver would be uh round three and i think personally it might be more like day three when they pick a wide receiver again that is if they do not uh trade that first overall pick for a number of other draft choices do you guys agree disagree on that yeah, yeah if they don't trade that first round pick and if they don't accumulate more picks it, it will be disappointing because because they, they only have one pick in a top 50 with that with that trade for claypool they, they lost their, their second round pick so one pick in the top 50 it being number one overall i mean you have a lot more holes on 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 this team to fill so yes you know, obviously, the, the the preferred method is to trade down and get more picks. So, you know, if, if but you're kind of kind of hitting hitting it both ways. If you stay not, just with one pick, not trading it out of that first round pick, obviously you got to go defensive line in that with that first pick, second round pick. Then we got to see what, what what comes around in that middle middle tier of that second round. Could be offensive lineman. It could be depending on what you're for agency. It could be, uh, you know, a, a, a receiver. So we'll see how it goes there. But but if they trade down, you can you can t- definitely see them taking. You know, if they have multiple, say, second round picks, multiple third round picks, you can t- definitely see them going receiver with, with one of those two picks, and that's you know day two area. Now you agree with totally that? Agree. Yeah, I totally agree. All things being equal, this team state, you know, polls keeping us where we are right now. Yeah, we're we're definitely not touching wide receiver probably till you know day three, like you said, Aldo. But uh, I, I really feel like the smart thing to do. And where I've seen a lot of uh, different scenarios, you know, being thrown out there and, and what we talked about, what I brought up, you know, two weeks ago on the last show was, you know, progressively trading down, right, with uh, the Texans and with the Colts and stockpiling picks. And we all, we've seen polls do this in last year's draft progressively as a draft goes on, trade down, trade back, trade assets, trade capital, acquire picks, acquire capital. And we end up with, with a F ton of picks as we go forward in this draft, I don't think it's completely out of, out of the realm of, of possibility of realistic possibility that out of those two trades, he goes ahead and, and gathers up enough capital to where we have five or six picks in the top 100 ish, mm-hmm. right? 100, mm-hmm. 115 picks to where you can go ahead and take a shot at, at a, at a wide receiver on, you know, day two, a really, you know, a big time guy. You can take a shot at, you know, your backup quarterback, go you know, early day three or late day two, maybe undercut somebody that likes somebody. Right. So there, there's so many scenarios that that can play out with us having this pick. And that's why I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago on our debut show, the great thing about having this pick, guys, is that we have leverage. We have all kinds of freaking leverage. And we basically run the draft from this point going forward. 
Love the way you put it. All right, Danny, uh, who else uh, are you uh, looking forward to scouting when you're out there in Vegas for the East-West Shrine game? Well, let's stay at the same position. Let's stay a receiver, right? The other kid, another kid I've, I've been high on is, is, is A.T. Perry out of, out of Wake Forest. He's talk about a total opposite of, of, of you know, uh, Zay Flowers here. Perry's a, a bigger receiver, 6'4", 200 pounds. You know, this is a guy, you know, two-year starter. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, beat you with the speed or all that stuff. He's a guy that's got the size. He's got the big hands, the big catch radius, long arms. A guy's got tremendous body control. You see him getting downfield and, and adjusting to the poorly thrown ball. So, you know, this is a guy that's going to give you not the – the, the, the big play speed element, but he gives you that that big body receiver, the guy that's going to go up there and win those, you know, jump balls you know, down the football field. So A.T. Perry is a guy that I'm looking at on, at Wake Forest. And and, and a kid that that uh, caught my eye this season, uh, Jake Bobo from UCLA, another 6'4", 210, another big body receiver, was at Duke, transferred to UCLA, comes from a from a football football uh, I'm sorry, football, comes from an athletic uh, family. He's got mm-hmm. athletes are in his, in his whole family's genes. Uh, the kid is uh, is another big body receiver, another big catch radius guy in, in the red zone. And I think so far from what I, all the receivers I've seen in terms of tape, he is the best blocker in terms of the run game. So obviously we emphasize blocker because what does Luke Getzey and his offense like? He likes receivers big size that can block. And I think Bobo is a guy that gives you that. Again, 6'4", 210 is what I see him coming in at. Guy's not going to blaze you down the football field, but he'll beat you with, with position. Another one that goes over the middle. He's very, very canny in terms of his rut running, the ability to win with slants, slant routes easily at the line of scrimmage. So Jake Bobo, a receiver out of UCLA, is another guy I'm keeping my eye on. He's also a very consistent player. Caught the, at least three passes in every game this past season. Had a season high eight catches against Oregon. So he's a he's a steady Eddie, and I agree with you. His blocking downfield is at least from what the Bears showed in the, uh, the first season under Eberflus. They love those uh, wide receivers that can block uh, downfield. So he I could was fit talking the about, with someone in the NFL about Bobo specifically, and and they said that that. There, there's talk about adding 10 pounds of muscle and making him a, a, like a flank tight end as well, and flanking him out. You know, not not inline guy, but a guy that you could flank out as a slot. Just just seeing they want they want to see in terms of what options he gives them. How does he run in terms of you know is he going to be a guy that's going to run a four six or four seven? Is he going to run a four five? You know, we'll see how, what what he does. But you know, his his ability again, his his strength is blocking and his ability to give the quarterback a nice big catch where he has big body receiver down the football field. Good. You got another wide receiver that you're looking at. So those are my three receivers. I, I, okay. I can I can flip it over. To, if we want to stay on offense, I mean, I think you or a, a call or a, a listener posed a question to me was, is there a quarterback in this draft the Bears can bring in and, and say, you know what, you know, if God forbid Justin Fields goes down, this kid has similar air quotes here, similar skill set as Justin Fields. And a guy, what I told you guys that night was Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA, and he's mm-hmm. in this football game, uh, 6'1", 200 pounds. The kid uh, has, has this past year threw for over 3,000 yards, threw for 27 touchdowns. He ran for another 12 touchdowns. In his career, he's got 88 passing touchdowns and 28 rushing touchdowns. So this is a guy, again, he's not a finished product. He was with Chip Kelly the last couple of years, which which I like because that gives him someone who's got NFL concepts in, in his playbook. So he's kind of familiar with some of the terminology, some of the what, what happens in the NFL. So Dorian Thompson Robinson is is a kid that I, if the Bears again tra- trading down, we're not talking sec, you know first second day. We're talking about you know later day three. You have those extra picks, maybe a fifth or sixth round pick. You know if Ryan Poles does his magic there. 
you know, this is a kid, guys, you bring him into the pipeline and, and he's got very, very similar skill sets in terms of, you know, ability to run with the football, run those zone, zone uh, those read option plays, you know, uh, those power run, you know, in terms of the quarterback running the you know, football. So gives you that option, uh, a nice guy you can put in a pipeline there to develop behind Justin Fields. He complete he, he completed almost uh, seventy percent of his passes, which I think was uh, fourth or fifth in the NFL. And you could say that a lot of those are bubble screens and stuff, but uh, it does speak a bit to his good accuracy. And he's one of only a couple of players who um, uh, threw for over twenty five touchdowns and also rushed for 11 touchdowns. So he does have that, as you said, Justin Fields, <laughs> using the air quotes, uh, quality to him. Good stuff. What else you yeah, got? So, so those are my offensive guys. And if you want to flip over to defense, I mean, I, I have some players here as well. So obviously uh, my main focus, guys, has been defensive line. I've, I've been I've been studying the defensive line, especially when going down to the East-West Shrine game. I want to keep my eye on a couple, couple players. And and there's a couple of guys that 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 have really kind of stuck out to me in terms of their their, their tape and also some of the, the the versatility they give you, right? So the first guy I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an edge guy. I'm going to give you, you know, they, they call him Mr. SEC over here. I'm going to give you Robert Beal Jr. from Georgia, a guy that that I feel like you know never really got the consistent playing time. Obviously, that Georgia, we know that their front seven is is talented, immensely talented, and I, I think this guy just never got in the game. I, I think on a, on a regular basis, but. Talking about a guy who's going to be probably about 6'3", 6'4", 255, you know, gives you that that ability to, to rush off the edge. He's more of a hybrid defender. What I mean by that is he's a guy who can put his hand in the ground and be a defensive end, but also can snap in a, in a two-point stance and rush like an outside linebacker. So he gives you that, that scheme versatility if the Bears ever get creative in terms of defensive, you know, the coaching staff gets creative, and they, they can use this guy in multiple different ways. Uh, you know, not a finished product. But I, I like his length, his arm length, the ability to come off the line of scrimmage, use his arm, has that pole position uh, rush move where he kind of extends his arm out and, and, and runs around the, the, the tackle there as well. So Robert Beal Jr., the, the defensive end uh, slash edge player from Georgia, is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, in terms hey, of Dan, Danny, before you go on with him, now the website has him listed as a linebacker. But do you think that he'll get some reps uh, rushing the passer uh, in practices and maybe in, even in the game? Yeah, if you put on his tape, he, he plays uh, both a, as an outside linebacker and, and from a two-point stance, and he also ha has his hand in the ground and, and and does, you know, he does yeoman's work in terms of being a, a solid run defender. You know, does a nice job of laterally flowing, has his keep his shoulders straight, uh, parallel to a line of scrimmage, flows laterally to kind of set that edge, if you will, in the run game, trying to funnel everything back into the, into the middle of that defensive line. So, you know, he's got some ability there. Again, not a guy that's going to come in, you know, first, second day, probably got it looking at, at day three here is where I'm projecting him at early on here, but a guy that gives you some traits, right? It gives you the long arms, the athletic body, the athletic build. Yeah, preferably he probably going to be a lot of three, four teams are going to look at him. I think like a team like, you know, like New England, for example, would love a kill like this, a guy that can be a three, four defensive end or three, four linebacker and a four, three defensive end. So he, he's more of a hybrid defender, but just a guy to keep an eye on and see how, how he you know, develops here. As, as the uh, as the uh, the draft process continues, uh, if you take go inside, Dante Stills uh, from West Virginia play defensive end, but they play that three that three man front there. I see him as an inside uh, three technique at the next level, and Dante Stills is a guy that's got that quickness that you look for for your interior guy, the guy that can can pierce quickly off the off the uh, off the snap, pierce in between the, the the guard and center, and get into that a gap and get into the backfield and create havoc. So. Dante Stills from West Virginia is a guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, 
Uh, he's, uh, he's excuse me for interrupting. He's kind of an Iron Man. Played fifty eight games at uh, uh, at his school, and uh, twenty or excuse me, fifty thirty six of them were were starts. And in one game, he had four sacks. So uh, he's a, he's a productive player, hardworking guy, the type of guy that uh, shows up to play. Yeah, and you, and you put on his tape, and he's constantly. I, I love guys where the mortar's just constantly running, and you can see him. And Dante still is a kid that he's constantly going at at the at the uh, offensive lineman. He's not going to stay blocked right for very long. So he's definitely a guy that, that caught my eye. Again, his his father actually is is Gary Stills, the former NFL linebacker. So he's got that NFL bloodline, that pedigree, if you will. But again, you know, didn't didn't put up you know huge numbers at, at West Virginia. You know, I, I think his biggest season in terms of sack was was 2019. He had eight sacks. So, but he had 24 and a, uh, 24 and a half sacks for his career. So he produces he produces some pressure there. But again, I I feel like he's being played out of position. You kick him out inside to be a, to be a you know your three technique. I think you may have something here with with Dante Stills uh, from West Virginia. So uh, the other the other guy I, I do like a lot. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm I am going to butcher his name. So I'm just going to go in and and just it just put out there right now. It's it's. Baldonado from Pitt. From Pitt. I, his first name, I, I, Neil, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't want to do it. I think it's Habakkuk Baldonado. Habakkuk Baldonado. Another yeah. guy that, that uh, if you put on, he was number 87, right? So you put on his tape and you're like, wow, this looks like a tight end playing defensive end. But another mm-hmm. guy that that's very athletic, good frame, two-year starter. Uh, but again, I I, th- I see him. Uh, there's times at Pitt when he was kicked inside the defensive tackle on on certain pass rush situations. I think he is a guy you bulk him up a little bit. I think he'll come in around 260. Uh, you kick him inside at, at 270, maybe maybe 275, and you have a, a nice you know a six four three six four defensive tackle that's going to be playing inside for you. So Baldonado is a guy to keep an eye on from Pitt. Another guy that that really. Uh, I wasn't expecting much when I put on his tape, but just because I hadn't seen much in terms of when I when I would watch him play live, is Moro Ojimo from Texas. Uh, another just a, a, a presence there in the middle of, of your defensive line. Uh, two and a half year starter, uh, just a big body defensive line can stand his ground versus the run. Now he's not going to probably not be a three technique if if you kind of look at it in terms of projecting next level. But definitely can be a one technique and can be a guy that can get in there, occupy some blockers, you know, even, you know, at times bull rush the uh, the center or the guard back into the into the uh, lap of the quarterback and collapse the pocket. So, you know, uh, so this kid from Texas, Moro Ojimo, is a guy that I almost keep an eye on as, as we get down there at the uh, at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, I really like uh, the kids' smarts, a seven-time member of the honor roll, the Big 12 uh, commissioner's honor roll. And uh, so he's a hardworking uh, kid who doesn't miss miss class, and uh, he's definitely someone I'm, I'm looking forward to your reporting on him. Um, Again, guys, like, I'm, I'm targeting these guys, especially like Ojimo uh, and, and still is probably like day three guys, you know, guys that really didn't, you know, you can bring in as, as you know, like late round guys. And, and next thing you know, they're part of a rotation. Next thing you know, potentially they could develop into a starter. So that's how I'm seeing these guys as. And I'd like to send a message out to everyone who is joining us live and those who are, will be watching on demand over the next few days. If you've got a particular player from the East West Shrine Bowl game that you'd like Danny to keep an eye on, maybe even get to talk to and so forth, please let us know either now in the chat or just uh, reach out to Danny or me or, or Neil and our Twitter accounts. Danny can be found at dshimmon56 and I can be found at Barroom Network. And of course, Neil has that 
easy to remember at Neil Stopchinsky. <laughs> You're gonna have to just go on to the video and look at the the, the name on the screen, man. There you go. It, it, it takes too damn long to spell it out. <laughs> there you go. Danny, um, I, was, I was right there ready for you for that uh, that that assist on the name pronunciation, but I actually had my my uh, mic muted. Bear's oh. assistant scout Sheldon the cat had shit to say out of turn, and I had to mute my mic. So, <laughs> how was it, how but you know, to be fair, to be fair, he did pipe up when you start talking about DTR. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're, I, I think he approved of uh, of your evaluation of our uh, future backup quarterback there. <laughs> Thank you, Nomad. We got the uh, Tyreeky Stevenson, the cornerback out of Miami. So he'll be one of the guys. Uh, that we're going to ask you. I'll compile uh, everyone, all these names that are going to be in the chat. I'll compile those for you guys. So don't worry about jotting those down now. Are you done with your preview of the East West Shrine Bowl game before uh, before we move on? Yeah, those are those are my guys that that I'm I'm specifically keeping an eye on. Okay, so let's take a quick break here because I want to tell you about, I want to tell all of our followers, all of our barflies, for the first time ever, we're producing content that we're charging for, premium content. The reason for that is because the guys put an awful lot of work into providing you with re really well-informed evaluations of the draft. And so we've come up with a couple of ways to compensate uh, the guys. And the first one is going to be a private party that is hosted by these two gentlemen on my left or right or bottom or whatever. <laughs> Take a look at this. <laughs> That's the wrong one. Let's try this one. Hey, everyone. Want to let you know that Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinsky are co-hosting a private draft talk party. That's right. It's private. For 90 minutes, you can join the Draft on Tap co-host and get the type of quality draft talk you yearn for as much as I yearn for my maker's mark. You lead the discussion. Talk about your favorite prospect and get Danny and Neil's analysis. If you want, share your favorite mock with the guys or bring up a prospect off everyone's radar. The cost is only a $10 donation, or as we say here at the barroom, a $10 cover charge. You'll get 90 minutes of your personalized draft talk and even get a copy of the video to share with your friends. Now, there are only seven slots available. That's right, only seven, so you must act fast. What you need to do is email me at aldo at bearsbarroom.com. Tell me you want to party with the guys, and I'll get you the information you need. The party is Wednesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Central, so don't hesitate. It's only a $10 donation, the cost of a beer and a shot of whiskey. Now, cost of uh, a beer and a shot of whiskey in Starkville, Mississippi. <laughs> exactly. All the places that Neil goes to in the city of Chicago, you, that's that's not even the cover charge to get in ten dollars, right, Neil? Yeah, the the you know the, the shitty places. You know. <laughs> there you go. But this is be... spots, you're, you're dishing out thirty to fifty bucks now. <laughs> exactly. But this is going to be a really fun way for you to interact with the guys. We we love to use the chat, uh, but that of course has limitations and. We know how fun it is to just have dialogue when you're talking about prospects, really when you're talking about just about anything in life, a dialogue is the best way. So if you're interested in, in having a dialogue with Neil and Danny, this is going to be a perfect way uh, to to do it. And if it's successful, maybe we'll have some more. We're keeping it small because it's it's better to have dialogue with a smaller group. So we're allowing room for seven people to talk to Neil and Danny and uh, you can 
bring in your mock drafts. You can uh, bring in uh, particular players that you want to talk about. If you even want to share some videotape, the the uh, website that we're using will allow you to to share videotape about a particular player and the entire group can comment on the player. So it's gonna be a fun time, but also very informative and educational. And it's of course, like everything we do here at the bar room, it is tailored for Chicago Bears fans. So are you guys excited about this? Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, fun because uh, we get a lot of participation from the from the chat and and and, and some of the guys they give us are, are guys that we've either studied or some of the guys that we have to go back and study again. So definitely looking forward to to kind of mixing up and, and talking talking with the guys or, or you know with the, with the fans, guys and gal, girls. Uh, but you know, if, if you're going to do a mock, guys, just just keep it to a, you know a realistic amount. I've seen some like mocks online where it's like they've traded back three times and they have like 20 picks coming in. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is not going to happen. <laughs> Highly doubt it. You're absolutely right. Never say never. That is true. That is true. I, you know, the amazing thing about what uh, Ryan Pose did last year, he went into day three with only, I think, three draft picks and walked out with a total of seven. So he did some wheeling dealing. Hopefully he'll do that in the earlier part of the draft in round one and maybe even round two and really explode uh, with picks. But uh, I don't, but Danny's right. I've seen some of these mocks that people uh, post and I want to take a look at them, but then I see there's 20 people drafted. And I'm like, come on, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> now there is one other uh, premium program uh, that we're offering and I've got a little spot for that. So uh, here that one comes. That's right. For only $10 a month starting in February, we'll, we'll uh, have our own Patreon page and we'll, we're already starting to load it up with draft analysis uh, uh, reports from Greg Gabriel and Danny Shimon. And I will be posting a newsletter on there. I'm not going to provide any draft analysis, so don't get scared by that. What I'm going to do is collect as much information from Danny and from Greg and also other draft experts and put that in a newsletter so that it's easily uh, reachable for all Bears fans. Again, this is all with the focus on the Chicago Bears needs and what they might do so that you're better informed. Once that draft rolls around uh, in late April, you're you're well informed with what the possibilities are and you can moan and groan if there's a a pick that uh, you've decided you don't like or cheer a pick of your choosing uh, because you'll be well informed with our draft experts here. So that's going to be an awful lot of fun. Uh, more details on that coming up. Just follow us on the Barroom Network, our Twitter page. Follow us on Facebook, Barroom Network, for more details. And again, you could always uh, reach out to me either by direct message or on the uh, uh, email aldo at bearsbarroom.com. So that's it, guys. Let's turn it over now to the Senior Bowl and Neil Stopchinski. You've got the lead here, brother. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Who do you look? Who are you looking forward to scouting at the, the Senior Bowl? So before I get to that, though, I, I want to address uh, Cliff Victoria's, um, you know, comment, a uh, question rather. Beer and whiskey for ten bucks. Where is that bar? I'm gonna throw <laughs> you guys a, a really sick bone right here. All right. 
Awesome. Um, on uh, on the 1900 block of Milwaukee, there's a place called The Remedy. All right. And from four to seven, they have the most killer happy hour that arguably exists in Chicago. Half off every, everything, beers, boiler makers, low shelf, top shelf. Everything is half off for three hours. You can go ahead and spend, you know, 20 bucks on, you know, Weather Green Label. Nice. Like four drinks, four or five drinks of Weather Green Label. Spend like 20 bucks and, and, and be out of there and not feeling like you just burned through your entire life savings. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, beer, beer, in a, beer in a shop for 10 bucks there is easily doable. And there, there's a couple of spots down here in, in my new neighborhood in, in uh, South Loop that uh, does a really good, uh, you know, um, either, uh, uh, you know, happy hour special or they just are good people and they got, you know, cheap liquor and 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 uh, beer and have good prices on stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm you know, drawing a little bit of a blank right now, but uh, I think, uh, you know, First Draft is one of those places and Casey's is another um, you know, two of the, uh, I guess, you know, stalwart, you know, uh, standalone institutions of, you know, the South Loop area do a great job with prices and, uh, you know, Flo and Santos does a good job with drafts, have great specials as well. So, you know, believe it or not, there is actually some places in the city here where you can get, you know, a, a pretty good Boilermaker special and not, uh, not, not spend 15, 20 bucks, you know, get, getting a little bit of a, of a libation in your system. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm glad Neil brought that up because Neil and I have actually uh, been talking a little bit. Neil is always does a great job of promoting local business owners, uh, particularly in the restaurant and entertainment uh, industry. And uh, he's wanted to do something on the Bar Room Network where he profiles some of these uh, establishments. So we're working on some ideas. Maybe it's just a segment on this show where he takes a couple of minutes to give a shout out uh, to an establishment or maybe something a little longer. We're working on some cool ideas and uh, you'll be seeing more of that. And I really appreciate the fact that Neil does that because uh, all of us should be supporting those small business owners, particularly with the taxes they have to pay, with the uh, health concerns that sometimes get way out of hand and really hurt small business owners. They sometimes make laws that are appropriate for big corporations. Crime concerns, exactly. So uh, it's a it's a great gesture on Neil's part and something we'll follow up on. We All right, Neil, take it away. We should have premium content for ten bucks. Neil will go drink with you. <laughs> Re- like there really you drink with you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm buying. Hey, I'll Neil. happily, I'll happily do that. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, Neil, uh, take us through the senior row, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the thing about it is, I, I think it's. Uh, I, th- I think we all can agree that the thing that freaks us out, you know, the most about this roster right now is where we stand in the trenches. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, we talked about at the very beginning of the show. Um, we've got some high profile players, the best talent that you can get at these all-star games have all pretty much accepted, you know, invitations to the senior bowl. And so the, uh, the, the individual drills and one-on-one drills next week are going to be the things that I watch the most. Um, not to say I'm not going to watch all this other stuff that, that we're going to have at our fingertips. And who knows? I might actually just go ahead and, and get drunk one night and buy a plane ticket down there. I'm not, I haven't ruled it out yet. But um, if I don't make it actually down to Mobile, um, I'm going to be uh, glued to my laptop until, uh, you know, next Sunday. <laughs> so um, what I've really spent a, whole, a, a lot of time on, you know, so far is learning about these guys that are going to be uh, working out the O-line, the D-line next week. Um, there's a, uh, there, there's an interesting trend that I see, you know, Jim Nagy went for this year and, and, uh, you know, number one, he's got a bunch of 
big physical freaks, like just big, long, girthy, athletic, you know, freaky dudes, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I was in, when I was in, uh, in, in high school, I, I call, or not, not in high school, when I was scouting high school kids, you know, for Mississippi State, for Northwestern, I call them avatars or I call them just, you know, freaky deaky dudes, right? I mean, you, you come up with whatever nickname you want, you can find whatever you're looking for. So I think if, if you start, you know, with the offensive, uh, the offensive line position, there's a lot of interesting tackles out there. And a lot of the mm-hmm. highest profile tackles, say, uh, save uh, Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr., are going to be in Mobile next week. Like you look at Tyler Steen from Alabama, who's a 6'5", 315-pound. I think he's been there for five or six years at, at, uh, at Alabama. He's a transfer from Vanderbilt. Um, played 38 games, 33 consecutive starts uh, to end his, his, his uh, career at Vanderbilt and play all 13 last year at Alabama. You know, he's a left tackle. Uh, you know, he's a kid that was first team SEC, you know, 25 knockdown blocks, allowed only four sacks and 12 pressures, eight hits all year. Um, you know, really gifted in his strengths, his athletic ability, his flexibility, moves really well, uh, operates at the second level well. He's just kind of raw. You know, he's got to be developed a little bit um, from, from the functionality to second level standpoint, from the run and pass game. When it, when it, when it features especially gifted athletes across from him, he can kind of have a little bit of trouble. Kind of the same way a little bit that we saw Braxton Jones have a little bit of trouble this year. You know, he, but he's a kid that has all the athletic traits. He might be the most like all around gifted player there, but then you have a couple other dudes that are just freaks of nature in terms of their size and athletic ability. Talking about Jalen Duncan from Maryland, talking about uh, Dewan Jones from Ohio state, Jalen Duncan, six, six, three twenty, a dancing bear, Dewan Jones, six, eight, three fifty nine. Um, you know, the, these guys are just freaky athletes. I remember scouting them when they were in high school, and I'm thinking, whoever gets these guys, I mean, they basically struck gold because you just don't see these guys this big, this athletic, this fluid, this lateral, this explosive, you know, come around. It, it's kind of like when we were talking about Panay Sewell co- uh, last year or a couple years ago, whatever that was. I mean, everything gets kind of jumbled together after a while, right? Um, you know, it seems like there was, these, these guys kind of fell off the tree a little bit this year almost, you know, in, in terms of there being just big athletic dudes just walking around getting scouted. Um, but uh, so lo- those are two dudes I'm going to have my eyes peeled on. Jalen Duncan played left tackle for Maryland. Dewan Jones, right tackle for Ohio State. And we all know we desperately need a right tackle. So that would be an interesting one to take a, take an, uh, take a look at. Um, Nick Broker out of, out of Ole Miss, Mississippi, University of Mississippi, was interesting to me, not only because he's a little bit of a local kid from Springfield, Illinois, and went to Sacred Heart Griffin, but also he's one of these guys, that, and, you know, Nagy did another good job of this too, getting guys that were uh, uh, positionally diverse, right? He, uh, he played um, all 48 games in his career, didn't miss a game in four years, had 23 starts a left tackle, 13 a left guard, uh, second team All-American this year. He's a kid that has that kind of position versatility at 6'5", 315, to where you can move him around a little bit. And I'm interested to see what he does in Mobile because he played this past year at left guard. He played the previous years at, at uh, left tackle. And he's got that kind of frame to where you can do you know a bunch of different things with him. Just real quick on uh, Broker, Neil. I've, I've heard yeah. that they'll, they'll, you, at the Senior Bowl, you watch him take snaps at center as well. Is that right? I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. He's... You know, he's he's got the the, the awareness, the intelligence. Uh, he's fluid, you know, very natural in athletic ability, very technical in, in uh, you know, his position-specific skill set, uh, extremely productive. I don't think he's allowed a sack his his entire career. I, 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 might, be, I might be off on that. I, I might be pulling that on my ass. But uh, he did win the Kent Hole last year. And, uh, you know, an extremely productive kid, nasty, um, intelligent. So, 
Uh, he's he's legitimately a kid that you can easily see playing every position across the offensive line, even though he hasn't done it. He has those kinds of traits, right? Um, you know, moving on down the on the down down the line here, Blake Freeland, uh, left tackle from BYU, six eight three oh five, just another big, long, athletic dude. He's a team captain, so he's got the, those intangibles, the leadership. Um, he you know a guy that's a grown up. Um, he was one of three kids all year for BYU to start all thirteen games. Um, you know, uh, all American kid. Um, you know, he's he's a really interesting one uh, that has a lot of bloodlines that goes back, you know, through the years to BYU. His sister plays at BYU. His dad played at BYU. I think his mom played at BYU. Like his entire family has bloodlines there. But this kid right here is another one that is is uh, you know again he's he's a grown up. He's a team captain. He's he's got all the leadership stuff. He's very fluid on the edge. And even though we don't need a, a left tackle. You know, take one of these really athletic left tackles sometimes, move them to the right, and, you know, all of a sudden you have two bookends, you know, protecting Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, Matthew Bergeron is another one that has a lot of, of position versatility, a guy that started at right tackle at Syracuse at 6'5", 322, got shifted over to the left side to end his career. Another guy that, that brings a lot of leadership and intangibles. You know, some of these guys you got to think about culture. You know, Poles always talks about, you know, bringing in the guys that, that, that fit the culture of, of the locker room. And uh, you got a bunch of guys, you know, coming down here to Mobile that that have, uh, you know, leadership council experience, team captain experience. Those are two of them, Freeland and Bergeron. Um, you know, Curtis McClendon, I think, is really interesting from Chattanooga. You know, Curtis McClendon, another team captain, you know, played 49 games, 38 starts. He has 30 starts at right guard, seven starts at left tackle, a start at left guard. Um, you know, right guard is a position that he's played, though, but he's a guy that can get you out of a game. He's 6'6", he's, he's 328, he's spent six years at Chattanooga, a ton of play history. Uh, he's first-team All-America at the FCS level, uh, you know, three-time first-team All-Conference. He got his bachelor's in sports management. He's also working on a master's in school teacher leadership. AFCA Good Works team nominee, three-time NCAA Division One Oversight Committee sitter. So, you know, another guy with a ton of play history, with with a ton of athletic ability, with a ton of length, with, with a ton of position versatility, and also the intangibles that would be interesting to look at, not at the top of the draft, but a little bit further on down. Um, hey, Neil, uh, another thing yeah. about uh, Curtis, because he's one of the guys I'm going to be taking a close eye on, because uh, back in, I think it was August, uh, uh, Bruce Feldman, who writes a, a column for The Athletic, and uh, he's got a, a, a column annually called Feldman's Freaks, and mm -hmm. Curtis McClendon was a part of that column, and the reason why is because, according to Feldman, he deadlifts 775 pounds and power cleans 345, and as you stated, at six foot six, 325 pounds, he's also very agile, um, and so... It's going to be uh, fun to watch him go up on these one-on-one -on -one drills to see how he holds uh, himself up against uh, some uh, better defensive linemen than he's played in his college football career. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I got another one of those Bruce Feldman freaks coming up on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, yeah, you know, and again, you know, Jim Nagy did a really good job bringing guys down here. Uh, you know, the – there, there, there's a few more guys that uh, I mean, I, I feel like I could go on forever with these guys, but you know, just to just to kind of like run through some of these real quick. Um, Osiris, Tor Osiris Torrance is a really interesting one from Florida. Uh, ULL transfer followed uh, Billy Napier on over into Florida. Another team captain kid, consensus All American, at six five three forty seven, held down the, the the right guard position at Florida, uh, coming out of uh, you know. 
group of five ULL, which is, I, I think to me, you know, pretty impressive. Um, started 46 games in his career. Um, really interesting kid. I'll be looking. Cody Mosh from North Dakota State. They might as well have been an offensive line factory for the NFL. Conga line coming through the past couple of years. Here's another kid that plays left tackle. Another kid with incredible uh, incredible play history. If you look at his headshot, looks like a hockey player, missing his two front teeth. I love that, right? Tough guy. <laughs> tough guy for days. Um, Jared Patterson, if you, want to, if you want to talk about two-time team captain, a kid with a bunch of intelligence and high character, four-year starter, started at, at center for three. We need a center now. You know, Luke, Luke Patrick isn't going to be around for a while, and Sam Musper certainly ain't the ain't the fix. Um, he's he started three years in Notre Dame at center, started left guard last year, uh, didn't allow a sack his entire career at Notre Dame. Um, and then uh, you know Steve Avila from TCU is interesting to me. At six four three thirty, played left guard last year and center throughout the rest of his career. He's a kid that you know if you're watching the national championship game, I feel like he's the only one that at least held his own. Didn't allow chaos to ensue across the offensive line in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll be one I'm, I'm watching to see exactly how he lines up, where they where they stick him with that kind of uh, experience that he has. Both Patterson and, and Avila, I feel, could be you know all all three interior guys, uh, in interior position guys uh, at, at the next level. And then you also have two guys where center is their bad baby. You, know, you got John Michael Schmitz, Ola Sagan, Oluwatimi, Oluwatimi, Ola Sagan, Oluwatimi. Well done. Uh, two, what's that? Well done. You, much better well, pronunciation than I would have come up with. <laughs> or me. I, I am here for you guys to help you out with these ethnic names. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Except when I asked for help, you, your mic's muted. That's about it. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, blame it on the cat, right? <laughs> Not my fault. It's a cat's fault. No. Um, John Michael Schmitz, uh, Oluwa Timmy, probably the two best at that specific position if you want to talk about ha- honing, honing in craft. Probably the two best at that position in this draft. Although with Timmy specifically won the Remington, which was which is the award given to the best center throughout the year. He won the Outland for the best interior offensive lineman from this past year. And then the entire offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which you know awards the best overall offensive line around football. So he he won himself a bunch of hardware this past year. Uh he's 6'3, 307. Um, really athletic kid, really smart kid. Again, out of Michigan. John Michael Schmitz is a kid out of Minnesota, 6'4, 320. Both of these kids have been at their respective schools forever. Well, not Olawa Timmy. Olawa Timmy transferred him from Virginia uh, via Air Force. He uh, has 45 starts, uh, 32 straight starts at at Virginia, 45 career starts. John Michael Schmitz has been at his place for forever, six-year kid. Another local guy from Homewood, uh, Flossmore High School. Um, First-team All-America, All-Big Ten, three-year starter and started four games as a sophomore in 2019. So in terms of play history, in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, guys that can make all the calls, have been doing it forever, these guys are seasoned and ready to rock and roll. And uh, as far as offensive linemen, those are the ones that really stuck out to me so far. Um, some guys that uh, I, I look at on the defensive line moving forward. Neil, before you move uh, to the yes. defensive line, there's one name uh, that has uh, caught my attention. That's Cody uh, Mouch. Mouch, mm-hmm. M-A-U-C-H, uh, North Dakota State. You know, North Dakota State has been churning out some good offensive linemen during their, uh, 
you know, the last 10 years, I would say. And FCS school, Braxton Jones and another couple of offensive linemen uh, have proven that they can play at the NFL level. What I like about Cody, he's 6'6", 303 pounds, exceptional athlete according to the draft network. He's a six-year senior, so he's probably coming in around 24, 25 years old. Some people have a problem problem with that. And and then another – uh, uh, negative with him is got he's only has the 33 inch long uh, arms and so that right. might mean that he's going to play at that guard position but there's enough tape on this guy to really take a close look at him and I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, scouting him when I'm out there at Mobile next week so uh, Cody Mouch from North Dakota State yeah, he's the one that has the uh, the, the two teeth, the two missing front teeth in his in his bio shot. <laughs> That's I, I, I can't wait to watch this kid. I actually have him slotted in on on the interior offensive line, kicking into maybe like a left guard position. Cool, um, because you know he's got all the athletic ability, he's got uh, the nastiness, and then the, the physicality. Um, he was incredibly efficient and productive, and you know throughout his time over there at, uh, at at North Dakota State, and also he's one of eight. So I mean, mm-hmm. you, you already know that he's fighting for meals. He's a competitive kid, right? So yeah. um, I, I'm going to up to watch this kid. He could be this year's uh, Quinn Miners, you know, in terms of just a guy you fall in love with. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. For. Cool. All right. Who do you have on the other side of the line at the defensive line position that you're going to be studying? Yeah, D-line. Um, you know, again, you're looking at guys that um, really, you know, Nagy did a good job of getting some physical specimens in in here. You know, the, the, the one that – I think has gotten a lot of pub throughout the most of his career from, from recruiting through college into now is Zach Pickens from South Carolina, six four three zero five kid who in high school I thought was a dancing bear as well. Uh, he was, uh, he was a two way player. He played tight end, played defense. He played offense. You know, he, he did everything for, for this school, got a ton of offers, went to South Carolina as a three-year starter, uh, had a leadership role on that team. Um, wasn't as productive as I thought he was going to be. Honestly, I thought he was going to be a freak of nature of South Carolina. So I'm interested to see like how he comes into Mobile and what kind of uh, you know attitude he performs you know this week with. Um, I really think it's adorable that there's two Byron Youngs on the same team in Mobile. <laughs> <That is funny. laughs> uh, we got the Byron Young from Bama and the Byron Young from Tennessee. Um, you know the Byron Young from uh, Bama, six three two ninety two. Uh, a kid from Laurel, Mississippi, went to West Jones High School. I remember looking at him uh, in my my last couple of years at Mississippi State. If you don't know anything about Laurel, Mississippi, you don't know anything about West Jones High School. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's about two hours south of Starkville. It's uh, southeast Mississippi. Um, Close to say is probably Hattiesburg. I think that's a you know the, the third largest you know you know metropolitan area in in the state that doesn't already have a whole lot of metropolitan areas. Right. But uh, the thing about Laurel, Mississippi, and it's bizarre, is that they're just freaks of nature that come out of Laurel, Mississippi. And there's about two families down there that always produce them. And uh, he's, you know, he's from one of them. And so he was a kid that, you know, started off as a, as a, as a kid that wasn't very highly recruited. because He generally don't start off that way in Mississippi. You generally like kind of get, get, get some steam rolling and then, you know, poof at the very tail end. You get all these offers and stuff. But, you know, big kid, highly productive. Uh, in his it is one year as a fir- as a full time starter at Bama, but was a rotational player for the three years prior. Um, he was second team All America this year, first team All All SEC. Had forty eight tackles, five and a half for loss, and four sacks on a, a defensive line where there's a ton of uh, of bones to to go around for everybody, right? So he'll be interesting. Uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin is a kid that already, if you just look at his story, I'm kind of in love with. Um, 
uh, you know, he was a uh, just an absolute you know monster for Wisconsin this past year. Uh, end of the season on uh, on an absolute tear. Um, had 36 tackles, 10 for loss, four and a half sacks, was third team all Big Ten. And the thing about him is, is that he actually was thinking about giving up football in high school. Um, he his wrestling coach actually convinced him to keep going, to mm-hmm. to to you know to battle through the adversity, to you know get over whatever you know hurdles were in his way, to keeping him from playing football, and actually helped him get on Wisconsin's radar. He comes into Wisconsin, and uh, just. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out this week, you know, being, you know, the most productive, the, the most talked about on top of everybody's list, rising up the, up the draft board, so to speak. Right. <laughs> um, run defense is, is incredible. His, his, his strength is top notch. Um, I'm looking forward to see him in the one-on-ones. I always love kids that have wrestling backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you wrestle, you run track or you play basketball, I, I love it. You know, I want to see that competitiveness. I want I want to see you beat somebody one-on-one. So that, that's pretty huge for me. Um, Keon White's an interesting one. Talk about position versatility. He's a 6'5", 286 kid, 6'4", 6'5". There's kind of a discrepancy there. You see it, you know, a couple of different places. Uh, he transferred in to Georgia Tech from Old Dominion, and he was recruited to Old Dominion as a tight end. He switched to defensive end after his freshman year, missed most of 2021 with an injury at Georgia Tech, and then came in this year absolutely whooping ass. Uh, highly productive kid. Uh, he he went uh, two straight seasons with 14 plus TFLs at Old Dominion. He's got that kind of position versatility at 6'5", 286, and the kind of athleticism that he has with 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 his uh, lateral agility, his high motor, his explosiveness to where he could play edge, he can play three technique, he can play five technique, he can you know play defensive end. He could do a lot of different things with the length and size that he has. He'll be a really interesting one to watch. I can't wait to see like, what kind of motor he comes in with. Um, Cameron Young's a kid on Mississippi State. Got to talk about my, my Bulldogs, right? Uh, a kid that, uh, you know, came in for Crosby, Mississippi, another one of these middle of nowhere, you know, towns the size of, of, of my dinner table, right? Um, a very super raw, blue-collar workmanship attitude type kid. Uh, doesn't say much. You know, he, he, he speaks through his performance. Um, high character, you know, well-to-do kid talking about people that fit the culture of the bears, someone that you want in your locker room. He's someone down, down the road, probably on day three that I think, you know, if we, if, if he falls into our laps, if he ends up in our locker room, if we end up picking him up, we're going to absolutely love this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love looking out for, uh, for kids that are on the, uh, you know, G five level, D two level, D three level, FCS, whatever. Carl Brooks is a kid. I didn't know about honestly until really today, <laughs> six, four, 300, out of Lansing, Michigan, plays for Bowling Green. 27 and a half sacks, 46 TFLs over five seasons at Bowling Green. I want to see what he does. And I think we talked about him a little bit a couple weeks ago, the uh, Tommy Adebawari from Northwestern, 6'2", 280 kid, who if you look at those numbers, is a little bit of a tweener, right? He's a kid that could be on the edge. He could be a three technique. He could be a bunch of different things. Uh, he does – another one of these kids that does give you a little bit of position versatility if, if, if you if you like the idea of, of a tweener, a kid that has that kind of athleticism, a, a kid that has explosiveness, has length, strength at the point of attack, backfield disruption. Northwestern was absolute hot garbage this year, but one of the kids that absolutely stood out was this kid right here. You know, you always saw him getting in the backfield. You always see, saw him messing things up. This past year, 31 pressures, 27 run stops, five sacks, nine TFLs, and 38 tackles. 
I think, you know, he's, an, he's a guy that is, is worth a little bit more evaluation, worth a little bit of a look and seeing really kind of figure out a way to, to slot him if he does fit. Right. And then Dylan Horton, the, uh, the, uh, the Bruce Feldman freak of nature, the, uh, the, all, the all freaks list, whatever the hell he calls that. All. I forget what the, what the thing that is called. Help me out. Um, a, uh, a Feldman freaks. Is it just Feldman's freaks? Yeah, that's, that, that's yeah, what well, it's called. Yeah. Well, Feldman's freaks. All right. He, he's a kid that comes in at 6'4", 275. Um, uh, 14 tackles for losses past year, 10 and a half sacks, four pass deflections, forced fumble. Uh, he was honorable mention, all big 10. Uh, if you watch him in, in the uh, semifinal game against Michigan, had four sacks in that game, you know, helped him to you know get to the national title game. Um, yeah, the Feldman freak for the 2022 offseason, along with, with our with, with our uh, offensive line, we just talked about from Chattanooga. Four five five forty yard dash. Remind you, six four two seventy five. Four five five forty yard dash. Thirty eight wow. inch vertical. Ten foot broad jump and a seven hundred pound squat. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. I can't wait to see what he does in one on ones. I hope he actually dominates. The ones that I would love to see dominate is a Dylan Horton kid, you know, from TCU. The Keanu Benton kid from from Wisconsin. Though those kids just you know on paper, on tape, their backgrounds and everything else like that are really intriguing to me, and I would love to have both of those kids in, 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 the, in the Bears locker room. The one that's like super under the radar that I, I think is just really interesting to talk about is Atavius Robinson from Ole Miss from something called Guelph. I think that's how you pronounce that, Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. Transferred in after two years from something called Guelph Collegiate Vocational Institute. Six six two sixty five kid on the edge. Um, extremely raw. He's a kid that's still growing, he's still learning, he's still developing, but he's very intelligent. He's an honor roll kid. Uh, he's a yes sir, no sir, high character, you know, you know, type, you know, human being, came from a good family. And also his birthday is January 3rd, same week as me. Gotta love those Capricorns, baby. Mm-hmm. So O-line, Indeed. D-line, th- those are the guys that uh, really kind of stood out to me on the initial uh, run through of these rosters. I mean, obviously we got a ton of opposition groups to talk about, but. You know, uh, to be honest with you, we're going to go through tons of film next week. We're going to get even a better idea of these guys next week than we do right now. I will say this, this is one thing, though. You know, we talked about quarterbacks, you know, when Danny was running through uh, the East-West Shrine game. We do need a backup. We can't be sitting here with Nathan Peterman and, and Trevor Simeon and relying on those guys if Justin Fields does go down again. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has got shit kicked out of him for four years at Ohio right. State and, and with the Bears. And he is, you know, with lower body, upper body, everything. He's 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 gone through his fair share of ailments. There's a couple of kids here at, at the Senior Bowl game that you know I'm going to be you know t- paying attention to. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee just got invited and accepted. Um, Tyson Badgen is the like superstar from the D2 level from Shepherd College, and I don't know anything about him. I've seen a couple of Zabruder film clips. We'll see what he does. Um, <laughs> The Jake Hayner kid from Fresno has uh, has some uh, good backup vibes to him, and maybe like mm-hmm. one of those uh, he might have one of those Brock Purdy type runs in him. Jaron Hall, I hate talking about BYU quarterbacks now, but we got to talk about Jaron Hall because I think he had a really productive, nice year at BYU, and I think he has more innate athletic ability. I think he can do some of the things that that uh, we see Justin Fields do a little bit. And Clayton mm-hmm. Toon, I mean, all Houston quarterbacks do is just chuck the ball around and put up ridiculous numbers. Max Duggan from TCU, we saw him in the national title game. wasn't impressive, but you know that that kid has uh, a lot of play history at, at uh, you know one of the top schools in the country. So you got to give him his his fair due. 
I think that this class of quarterbacks that he brought in are, are worth taking a look at. I'm really upset we didn't see Stetson Bennett get the invite to this game. I really mm-hmm. am. I think that's Stetson Bennett. I would love to see him as our backup quarterback. I would love to see him in Chicago. I think he's going to have a hell of a shot in the NFL. And I don't think he's going to be as low drafted as everybody says he is. I think he's going to be at worst fourth round pick. Interesting. Um, I got to tell you, one of the things that I'm most looking forward to at the Senior Bowl is to see what Luke Getze, who was coaching the American team, is going to do with that group of wide receivers that he has. Uh, In particular, the kid from SMU, Rasheed Rice. Uh, what do you guys think about him? Because I keep seeing him pop up in my research over and over again. He's got some blemishes. He's had some problems with drops. Is He's not a master of the route tree yet. But it seems to me uh, that this guy has skills that if he's available early in day three, you might want to target a Rasheed Rice. So it'd be interesting to see what Luke Getze does with them. What, uh, what do you guys think about him? Yeah, Rasheed Rice, he's uh, he's going to be a mobile. Um, you know, there, if there's one thing I've learned about SMU receivers over the past couple of years is that, you know, they're all going to be productive. They're going to come in. They're going to work their ass off, and uh, they're going to figure out a way to, to contribute. I mean, you know, Danny Gray is, is special, you know, with, with his speed and his explosiveness. Uh, mm-hmm. The Roberson kid is still floating around from practice squad to practice squad to practice squad. I'm expecting that kid at some point to break through and make a 53-man. Um, Rasheed Rice, I haven't watched nearly as much as those two guys, but they come from the same pedigree as just, mm-hmm. you know, kids that are highly productive, kids that work hard, and, you know, kids that are, are going to figure out a way to make it work. You know, he's he's definitely not a bad uh, – he definitely wouldn't not be a bad pick early day three. And that's exactly where I think he'll probably go, you know, four or five round. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Danny? For me, for me Rice is, is a guy that gives you some of that combination of size and speed, you know, at six feet, six one. 189, 190 pounds. You know, a, a guy might, might run a, a high 4-4, 40. Uh, highly productive this last year at SMU, over 30, 96 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Really what was was the, his breakout year, if you will, at, at SMU. So, uh, you know, uh, he's a guy that, that obviously is is in consideration there. Someone, someone intrigued me just because of that size-speed ratio, uh, but definitely a guy that I, I wouldn't reach on early on because I, I, can, I can find you a bunch of different other guys that are going to be uh, probably in, in a little bit more productive right away. In terms of Danny Gray, you know, I, I know you're a big fan of him, but, I mean, really he hasn't done much at the NFL level. So that's SMU receivers, yeah. they, they don't run the entire NFL route tree. So that, that's what scares me about them. It takes some time for them to adjust and, uh, you know, and, and – kind of uh, you know get accustomed to the nfl you know uh raw tree and all that stuff and then become productive on the field so but definitely a guy like that, that intrigues me with with that combination of size and speed and obviously that you know that this one this last year there smu you know putting up some numbers on the board as well so yeah i mean uh i, I think in, in terms of like the my like look at the at the um senior bowl uh, i mean I, I, neil did a good job of going through a bunch of the players so i'm just going to touch on a couple of guys that I really am looking forward to seeing and, and that Neil hasn't hasn't been talk about right now. And, and if it's, I'm looking at, at the American team in which um, Luke Getzey is, is coaching, and if you if you go to the offensive line, I, I think we talked about already with with John Michael uh, Schmidt. I think he, he's probably going to be a top center in, in this in this draft. So he's a great guy to have on there. Uh, Nick Broker, Neil, we talked about. But there's a uh, Darnell Wright, the uh, the right tackle from Tennessee, is a guy that I'm I'm looking at. I'm intrigued at in terms of you know it doesn't have the uh, the athletic ability you, you want in your offense tackles right now in the NFL, uh, but does show some grit, some toughness. So he could be an option maybe late day two, early day three. Darnell Wright from from Tennessee is a guy to keep an eye on at, at, at right tackle. Um, a guy, he was a guy absurdly that absurdly productive last year. 
the, the guy I'm, I'm absolutely falling in love with and at, at defensive line. And, and again, he's a tweener. He's a guy that, uh, you know, is, is, is some see him as a three fast linebacker. Some see him as a guy that could be a hybrid player, but it's Will McDonald from Iowa state. Um, talk about a guy that that's been highly productive, you know, a, a big time player at, at Iowa state. I think it was the, uh, the, uh, Big 12 uh, defensive player of the year, three-time first-team All-Big all 12, led the Big 12 in sacks in 2020, 2021. Now, obviously, with him, it's it's six. He's kind of coming probably around six three, maybe two forty-five, maybe two fifty. So he's not the ideal fit in terms of a of a hand in the ground defensive end. But you know, we were talking about these kind of players with guys like Will Anderson, right? We're talking about guys like Jared Verse before he went back to Florida State, guys that that could be productive edge rushers just because of his his first step get off, his ability to bend the edge and, and flatten to the quarterback. He's got that special type of bend you look for in, in pass rushers. I mean, he reminds me a lot of, you know, if you remember uh, Harold Landry coming out of BC, you know, the way his, he, he could bend that edge with that, with the, with the ankle flexion, with the hip flexibility, with the ability to get the body control to get kind of perpendicular to the ground. Will McDonald shows that. Uh, and he's very highly productive as well. So he's a guy, again, scheme fit you know, is not ideal. You know, is, is he going to, he's going to be a guy you're going to have to obviously bulk up. He's a guy that's might, might be a little liability versus the run. But man, you talk about a guy who can bring pressure off the edge. A guy who did it for, for you, um, you know, in terms of uh, in, in a big time conference. Uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State is a guy to keep an eye on. Another guy that that I'm, I the more I watch, the more I like is this kid from Missouri, Isaiah McGuire, uh, defensive end, 6'3", 260, two year starter. The guy, uh, you, you just he, he's tools. He's got a lot of tools. Not a finished product by no means, but. He's a guy that that once he puts it together can be one of those guys that that come out comes out of nowhere and and really becomes a really productive player. So Isaiah McGuire from Missouri is a guy to keep an eye on defensive end there as well. Uh, let's see who else I got here um, earmarked from this American team uh, as I drop down here. Da, 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 da. Yeah. By the way, I had Isaiah McGuire on my uh, list of guys to spotlight on on those one on ones. You know, he's got mm -hmm. good length. Um, uh, Good against the run, uh, run but perhaps his, his ability to rush the passer needs he needs some more moves. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he's coached up there at the senior bowl. I'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, yeah. Frem is his, he's got to develop a counter for his, for his initial rush because when he gets upfield and he beats a tackle, the heck up just kind of rides his momentum. He's got to be able to kind of circle back and get back to the quarterback. But you know, at times you, you see his ability to be able to get physical with the with the with the. Um, Offensive linemen would be able to convert speed to power and just extend those long arms and, and play long and and get back into the backfield and, and create havoc. So that definitely and Missouri had a had a heck of a, a defense this year, just just running all over the field in, in terms of being physical at the at the line mm -hmm. of scrimmage. So uh, I think that there was a uh, it was an offensive lineman that I, I wanted to kind of uh, highlight that oh, Andrew uh, Voorhees from USC, uh, athletic kid. I believe he played. Tackle or guard? I can't remember off the top of my head. I already played USC, but I think I see him at, at the guard. Right the guard, level. left guard, left tackle. Thank you. So he's a guy that, that I think gives you that position versatility. Guy that's got the athletic ability that, that you look for, and the, the Bears look for in their offensive lineman. Guy's got the you know the lateral agility to go east and west. Uh, so definitely a guy if you keep an eye on in terms of uh, possibly a, a left guard potential long-term replacement for for uh, a Cody Whitehair if they decide to go ahead and get rid of that contract. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. Um, and in terms of the, let's see, the uh, other receivers that, that I wanted to take a look at, like I think those those are pretty much it. It was just the, the defensive linemen really that, that caught my eye was were those guys as well. And uh, uh, there was, I think there was another play. Oh, Tyler Lacey, guys, from, uh, from Oklahoma State. Another guy that, that plays in that 3-3-5 three, three, system or a three-man front where he's kind of put, put out of position. That 
Another guy, I think you kick him inside at 290, 6'4". I think he's got the ability to hit that gap and get upfield and create some of that, that havoc we're looking for. So Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State, another guy to keep an eye on uh, at the, at the um, Senior Bowl. That Those are just right kid. Yeah. Sorry, although I'm just going to pop in real quick. That, 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 that Darnell Wright kid, incredible, you know, productivity, uh, especially last year. He was uh, – I, I caught this. Uh, I think they had it on his bio. One of 14 P5 offensive linemen with over 825 snaps and no sacks and the only mm-hmm. SEC offensive lineman with over 750 snaps and a PFF efficiency of 99% plus, which is mm-hmm. absolutely absurd. He hasn't allowed a sack in 18 straight games. He has uh, 46 games of experience, 41 starts, 26 of those at right tackle. Also put two starts at right guard, 13 starts at left tackle. At 6'6", 335, uh, you know, that, that kid is really interesting to me. Yeah. I remember the defensive lineman real quick, although before you go, it's, it's Yaya Diaby from Louisville. Uh, another kid that uh, really uh, before Louisville, he played at Burt Williams uh, at Georgia Military College. So he, it was probably like, like a Juco uh, and then came over in his third year. This is the last year and was really highly productive. 14 tackles for loss, nine sacks this past season. Uh, again, 6'3", 255. A, a lot of teams are seeing him as a tweener guy. But at 255, 260, maybe another 5, 10 pounds, you're looking at 265, 270. He could be a guy at, at defensive. And when our first put on his tape, you know, I'm expecting you, you see him come out. He's chiseled. He's got long arms. This guy looks looks ideal in terms of a defensive end. And something this guy's gonna just gonna bust up the field and, and make pass rush moves. But he was he impressed the more I watched him. He was playing against Boston College. The more I watched him versus the run, the more impressed I got. His ability to, to maintain his ground, stack and shut at the point of contact, find locate the, the ball carrier and make a play, make a difference as a as a um, as a run defender really caught my eye. And then also it gives you that ability, that, that quick twitch, you know, the first step off the line of scrimmage and be able to, again, bend that corner flat and, and just kind of burst and, and close on the quarterback. So Yaya Diaby from Louisville, another guy to keep an eye on. I will do just that uh, when I'm out there and we'll be reporting uh, every day on social media and uh, on the Barroom Network shows. I won't be uh, hosting any of the shows I normally host during the week while I'm out there at the Senior Bowl, but you will see a lot of reports on social media and as we collect material for some of our premium uh, uh, content. Guys, before I let you go, there was a report today from Neil's uh, good friend Chris Emma of, over at 670 to score that it is possible that David Montgomery might be seeking a payday of about $12 million a, a year, similar to what Aaron Jones is making at uh, with the Green Bay Packers. That to me is about uh, maybe $5 million more than I would pay David Montgomery. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this alleged demand by David Montgomery or David Montgomery's agent and how much of a priority would that put on us to be scouting running backs uh, because that could be a route that the Bears will take to uh, uh, replace David Montgomery, plus signing, of course, a, a veteran or two. What do you guys think? Um, I can I can go first. Uh, if if that if that is true, if let's just say for the sake of this conversation, that is true. That that is his demand. Obviously, it's a negotiation. You come in high, and you can always work, always work your way down. But uh, I love David Montgomery as as a person, the player, uh, in terms of his, his competitiveness, his leadership that he brings to the locker room. But at, at that at that number, I'm saying goodbye, David Montgomery. Good luck with whoever team you go play for. Uh, I am moving on. I got Khalil Herbert here, like stepping as a starter. I will go in, and I can I'm now the the priority of running back isn't higher than 
offensive, defensive line, or receiver, but it moves up a, a step or two in terms of finding a, a you know a, a, a capable running back coming in. At least provides you some nice backup. Obviously, the, the free agent market. I think a couple weeks ago we looked at the free agent market in terms of running backs. You know, it's it's a solid veteran group. No one's gonna you know the big money guys, the Barclays, the Tony Pollard. Obviously, unfortunately, he broke his his, his, his leg, so he's gonna see how that happens there with him. But anyway. You can get a, a veteran at, at minimum, uh, you know, a, a decent salary, and you can go draft a guy third, fourth round, depending on and, and how big a priority you have, how many picks you have. But yeah, if it's if it's twelve million for, like I said, love Montgomery, the player, the leader, uh, you know, the, the, the guy he's becoming in this organization. But that, that's that's way too much. I do not generally sign running backs to second contract. So um, have have a good career, good luck at your next venture, and we'll move on. What do you think? Yeah, that certainly makes it tougher to go ahead and uh, organize the Chinese puzzle, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Hey, you know, the, the thing about it is, though, is that it, it's really tough to find a guy that, that can, uh, you know, create big plays with his legs, can catch the ball in the backfield, and can uh, can block a three technique. Um, that, that that kid has so much shit in his neck that, he, like I said, it's, it's just tough to find a dude that can do all three of those tools at a high level. Yeah. And so I, I really think that Poles is going to do, it, you know, a yeoman's work, so to speak, and, you know, trying to figure out a way to fit him into – the monetary plans going forward because he's not the type of guy. If you talk about his production on the field, if you talk about uh, you know his uh, his intangibles in terms of leadership and you know what he brings to the lot to that locker room, um, it, it's really hard to let those type of of players go, especially when they're still producing. So when they're still at the peak of their career, um, you know, I I, I love um, and and I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, um, Herbert. Herbert, Khalil Herbert. I love Khalil Herbert, but he can't block a lawn chair. So now you have an issue with, uh, you know, an offensive line that you're completely rebuilding and you're trying not to get your uh, star quarterback busted up and down the field again for a third year. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times uh, that, uh, you know, extra back in the backfield, you know, in a, in a blocking responsibility takes a little bit of pressure off the offensive line to be perfect and mm-hmm. not get your franchise demolished. So, um, you know, I know if, if I'm polls, I'm, I'm trying my damnedest to, to fit this kid into our monetary plans. However, that, that may work, right? Mm-hmm. If we have to, if, if that 12 is true and we have to bring that down, you know, we've already seen him, you know, negotiate some, uh, some magical things over the course of the past uh, calendar year. Hopefully he can make it work as, there as well. 12 is tough though, guys. <laughs> that, that is a tough number to hit. It really is. And, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, concerns me about this team is that I don't think that there's going to be a wide receiver acquisition that is going to make a huge difference in 2023. I mean, there's some chances, you know, maybe Hopkins comes through in in, in a trade, uh, but I don't think we're going to see one come out of the draft. And with the free agency poll being as, as uh, lack, with the lack of talent that there is, this team has to continue to focus on their running game. And so I look at what uh, McCaffrey has done for the San Francisco 49ers and really made them not lose a beat. Of course, Brock Purdy deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. There's no doubt about it. But uh, to me, a lot of the credit should also go to Christian McCaffrey. And so when you see what he has done with the 49ers and kept them in the playoff race all the way to the conference championship game. I, I got to believe that the Chicago Bears need to find a back 
similar to that and take the onus off of Justin Fields. Let's face it, the Bears would not have been the number one rushing team in the National Football League if Justin Fields was not a running quarterback. First and foremost, he's the reason, you know, uh, that it's the best rushing team in football. Now we need to acquire a running back who can take that load off of, and as Neil perfectly said, also someone who is adept at pass blocking so that you can protect the quarterback. So when you need, do need to go to the passing game, you can rest assured that the back in the, in the backfield is, is going to protect your quarterback. Danny, I see you're chomping at the bit to, to add some thoughts. Guys, that's first of all, that's that's a negotiation. There, there, there's no way that that I, I don't. I, I'll be shocked if any NFL team pays David Montgomery twelve million dollars a year to play football next year. I will be absolutely floored. Uh, so I, I, that's a, first of all, if that, if that report is even accurate, that that's just negotiations, right? That guy's just starting up high and he's gonna work his way down. But with David Montgomery and the season he had, right? You only won one game, or you, I'm sorry, you, you won three games, guys. You you won three games. So, you know, it's it, how much of you're going to want what two games without David Montgomery? I, I doubt it. So my thing is, I, I, and, and I've been this, you know, I've been saying this all along. You, you can always find running backs. You know, you can always find right, the, the character, the leadership. That is something you cannot, you know, find. And, and if, if you're Ryan Poles and you want to pay for that, that's on you. But in terms of talent, in terms of finding, you know, a, a guy that's coming is going to be able to give you some 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 quality plays, quality snaps behind a killer Herbert. You can always find one. And then also we talked about bringing in a, a veteran as well. So you know, in terms of Herbert you not know, being able to block a, a blitzer, you're right, Neil. He he he's horrible at it. But you know what? As a coaching staff, as a running back coach, that's what you're there for. You're there to coach his kid up. You know, and it, it blocking is not a talent. Blocking is not a skill set. Blocking is is want to. Blocking is mm-hmm. putting your nose there and saying determination, saying I'm not gonna let this sob get to my quarterback. So, if you're the Bears coaching staff, Khalil Herbert, you want to be a starter in the NFL, learn how to damn block, and he's got to get better at blocking. So that's why I look at it. But yeah, if, if if it's anywhere near, if it's anywhere above six or seven million a year for David Montgomery, that's like my my lowest that I or highest I always pay. Uh, I, I, again, I would say congratulations, you know, good luck uh, in your future endeavors and, and wish you, you know, you wish you the best. So, and just move on. Yeah, right, I mean, and we, we've made that point on this show that, you know, blocking isn't a, I mean, it, there's some skill that goes into it. There's some technique that goes into it, but for skill guys, for wide receivers, for tailbacks, it, it, it is all, you know, what you've got between your legs, man. It, it's all balls. <laughs> That's all that is. It, it is toughness. It, it is, it is willingness. It is want to. It is, you know, I, I want to rock this dude into the dirt, go one on one, and 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 show this guy that, that you know he eat my, you know, eat my dust, man. Mm-hmm. Right, that's I mean, all that when, is. When I see when I see a running back put his nose in it and, and take on a, uh, when I'm scouting him and take on a linebacker and, and block, that that's that to me that's that's football toughness. That's competitive toughness. That's a guy that that will not that will 1, sacrifice 000%. in there for for his teammates. So. You know, it's 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 not something you test. It's not something you can you go out there and measure at, at the combine. It's just something that, you know, either the guy wants to do it or not. And uh, and, and to me, if, if that's that's Khalil Herbert's only thing is stopping him from being a, a total all around back, that's the time where you, you go challenge Khalil Herbert to to be a better better blocker. All right, guys. I promised you that I'd get you out in an hour. I'm only 27 minutes behind. <laughs> I will let everybody know that our scheduled return show uh, is for Wednesday, January. Excuse me, Wednesday, February 8th. That'll be our next show. We will be armed with lots of tape and analysis from both of the All Star games. So we're going to give you a thorough rundown over 
who shined. We'll have interviews from both of those uh, all-star uh, sites. I'm hoping to get an interview with Luke Getze. I know he's going to meet with the media, but, but I would love to get a one-on-one. Maybe I'll just stalk him around the hotel and, and tackle tackle him in the elevator, answer some questions. But we're, we're going to have tons of material uh, for you. And of course, the expert analysis from Neil Stopchinsky and Danny Shimon. You guys have been great. Uh, any uh, any last words you want to share before we get out of here? Neil, I'll start, start with you. Uh, hey, I love Senior Bowl week, man. Uh, you know, it's, mm. it's one of my favorite weeks of the year, getting a chance to see these guys perform live in drills, one-on-ones. I love the old line D-line pass rush drills. That's my favorite thing to watch. I swear to God, I just love big athletic dudes go after it one-on-one with each other. So it's going to be fun to watch next, uh, next week. Um, I'm going to be absolutely glued to my computer screen, not only with my scouting day job, but with my scouting night job with Feraldo. <laughs> and uh, I'll come up for air sometime on February 5th. But, uh, you know, uh, again, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the show has been a lot of fun, as it always is. Make sure you go follow uh, at Neil Stopchinsky on Twitter and uh, throw out some guys that uh, you have questions about. You know, same thing with Danny. Throw out some guys for him that you have questions about. We always love going ahead and, uh, you know, taking a look at some guys that, that you're interested in, that you're curious of. And uh, I got through the show today with some Red Bull. Drink some damn Red Bull. I'm trying to get some sponsorships. Damn it. Drink some Red Bull. There you go, baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Danny, what do you got? <laughs> this is He's Mr. Commercials today, man. This guy's giving commercials to bars, to Red Bull. Yeah, how about it? Mr. Endorsement. <laughs> Bringing that premium content there. Um, but no, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, like I said, I'll be heading out to Vegas to, to take a look at the East West Shrine game, take a look at some of those those prospects we just talked about, you know, live in person, going up those you know, those one-on-ones will be will be uh will be key to, to watch there as well. And then and then then at night we'll be scouring the uh the the tape that we get from the uh, from the senior bowl practices as well. So definitely looking forward to it. Should have you know uh, some more great content for you guys uh, next time we're on here. And and like like Aldo said, uh, you know just just stay tuned here because we have it covered from wall to wall. You know uh, you know to every single last pick of, of, of the Bears uh in the, in the draft this this upcoming draft. You know we're gonna have you guys covered in terms of breakdowns, analysis, and and, and how the player fits or, or doesn't fit in some cases uh with with the Bears uh, going into next season. So uh looking forward to it. This is this is the best time of the year for me. I love this time. This is like my Christmas time right now. So uh glad you guys are along here for the ride with us. Yeah, indeed. And I know a lot of uh, new people have stopped in the chat over the last 20 minutes and may not have seen our spot for our private party. I will play that and then our closing logo music. Uh, so until next time, take care, everybody. Hey, everyone. want to let you know that Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinsky are co-hosting a private draft talk party. That's right. It's private. For 90 minutes, you can join the Draft on Tap co-host and get the type of quality draft talk you yearn for as much as I yearn for my maker's mark. You lead the discussion. Talk about your favorite prospect and get Danny and Neil's analysis. If you want, share your favorite mock with the guys or bring up a prospect off everyone's radar. The cost is only a $10 donation, or as we say here at the barroom, a $10 cover charge. You'll get 90 minutes of your personalized draft talk and even get a copy of the video to share with your friends. Now, there are only seven slots available. That's right, only seven, so you must act fast. What you need to do is email me at aldo at beersbarroom.com. Tell me you want to party with the guys, and I'll get you the information you need. The party is Wednesday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Central, so don't hesitate. It's only a $10 donation, the cost of a beer and a shot of whiskey.